Hey there, party people. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I wanted to take a quick second to let you know about my new and improved free workshop coming to you soon and very soon. That's right. The ultimate music lesson planning roadmap is right around the corner. And this time you have four chances to catch the party live. In this workshop, I'll be sharing my proven system for how I plan my lessons week to week and beyond efficiently, effectively, and beating that lesson planning overwhelm once and for all. It all comes down to four planning pillars that are truly the secret sauce. If you're ready for all the tricks and tips because you know I'll spill the tea, head to annemaleski.com slash workshop to snag your seat for this free limited time workshop. Again, that's annemaleski.com slash workshop or just click the link in the show notes. I can't wait to see you there. So if you listen to Monday's podcast episode, you already know that I think transitions are pretty legit. They are definitely the secret sauce when it comes to making a completely seamless lesson that completely wraps your children up in music making. But what does a transition actually look like in the music room? Well, today on the Anacrusic Podcast, episode 129, we're going to talk all about how to create those transitions for your music classroom. Maleski and I've helped music teachers just like you get more intentional in their classrooms through my trainings, curriculum, and tips shared on this podcast. The truth is, teaching music is hard. You have a bunch of kids to teach and not a lot of free time to figure out how. Feeling overwhelmed and frustrated is totally normal. But here's the good news. It only takes a few simple steps to flip the script. And although it may be simple, it's definitely not easy unless you have the right toolkit. So let's start tuning and transforming your music teacher life right now. The actionable steps you need to find the purpose, follow a sequence, and choose joy are right here. This is the Anacrusic Podcast. We've already talked about the magic of all things transitions, and if you haven't listened to episode 128 of the podcast, now is the time to go one step back and take a listen to that episode all about transitions, what they really are, and what they can do for your music classroom. Today is the episode where we're going to get a little bit more nitty-gritty about the three different types of transitions that you can be using in your classroom to sort of get your foot in the door before you just start coming up with all of your own ideas, probably outside of these three categories. But on the whole, these are the places that we want to start when it comes time to be making meaningful transitions in your classroom. Now, before we dive in, let's just go ahead and recap a little bit about what a transition can do for you. So if you have your opening routine and you have your closing routine and you have all of your other stuff, all of the other meat inside of your lesson, the transitions are the piece that connect one activity to the next without having to stop and start your lesson all over again. You probably know very well, as I know I do, that those moments that you don't have a really fine-tuned transition or you don't have something specific moving you from one activity to the next is where you tend to lose some kids, where you start to get some of those star catchers, as I like to call them, because they're just out there (laughs) grasping at stars, thinking about something that isn't even related to music because we've given them the chance to sort of depart from the music making. So the goal of the transition is to keep our students really, really engaged while also connecting one activity to the next in a meaningful way that hopefully is tied to a learning target inside of our music lesson. 
So the five reasons that we might want to be using transitions in our lessons is number one, it just keeps the lesson flowing, right? Like we have that forward momentum. There's no red light, green light happening in our classrooms. We have things happening on a continuous basis where kids are engaged and they're just in this one big immersive music making experience. The second reason is it just helps with procedures. If you need to move students from one section of the room to the other, maybe you're doing an instrument activity and now you're gonna go do some movement stuff or maybe you're doing some board work and you're gonna move to stations, there's ways that you can effectively set up those procedures within the context of a transition to make it all unfold really, really naturally inside of your classroom. The third reason is that there's actually a little bit of assessment opportunity inside of transitions. And that's because ideally, as I mentioned, mentioned, we're tying that transition material and all of the material inside of our lesson back to that learning target or two learning targets where we can sort of take a read of the room and see where our students are based off of the activity that we've just completed and where we're going to next. The fourth reason is because it just makes that music lesson feel super magical, right? Like they kind of forget that they're in the middle of music class because the experience is sort of transcending time and space in a really, really cool way. And And last but not least, transitions are super important because it allows students to predict and anticipating what is going to happen next in the music classroom. So just like our learning targets and having those opening routines where we're setting the stage for our students in terms of the types of things we're going to be doing in our classroom, setting that classroom culture um, feel right off the bat in our music lesson, transitions help do that on a smaller scale from activity to activity. So just like in a grade level classroom or a reading classroom, if teachers were doing some pre-reading type activities before students got into a particular story or chapter book or whatever it might be, The opening routine and the transitions from activity to activity is giving students that opportunity to sort of get get a sneak peek at what's about to happen or how what they are about to do relates to what happened right before. So these transitions can help in these five ways and beyond. And now we're going to talk about what exactly you could start using in terms of types of transitions in your music classroom. So overall today, we're gonna talk about three different types of transitions. The first is procedural, the second is musical, and the third is thematic. Now, there's some of these that I prefer more than others, but it just depends on your preference, it depends on your classroom climate, it depends on your student culture, it depends on a lot of factors that have to do with you as a teacher musician and the types of experiences you're setting up for your kids and the types of active music making you're doing inside of your classroom. So the first category of transitions we're gonna talk about today is procedural. And this is the type of stuff that you're probably doing already in one way, shape, or form in your classroom today, tomorrow, or the next day. And that means you're having students move from one space to the next, or you're simply having them change formations, getting materials, putting materials away, and you're literally moving across space or changing um, their position in order, order to be ready to do what you're going to do next in your music classroom. So whether it be from sitting to standing, standing to sitting, moving to a circle, moving to instruments, whatever it might be, there are certain ways that you can adapt transitions 
questions that maybe you would have just said, okay, students, now it's time to stand up and please make a circle and then wait instead of doing that and having a lot of lag time or free time or open space where students can get off task and aren't necessarily thinking about what's coming next, we can think of ways to refine that transition so that it fits more appropriately within the context of the music classroom. So the first thing that we can do is make it musical or make the instructions more active. And that can be as simple as chanting or singing your instructions. So instead of asking students to please stand up, you could say, please stand up and one, two, three, or just something like that. Or you can do something like, I'll stand up, which is something I do in my classroom. And the students echo, I'll stand up as they stand up. And I do the same thing for, I'll sit down. And they echo back, I'll sit down as they're actually doing the motion. Something else that I like to do is if I'm having students, for example, move from their opening routine formation, sitting in a grid at the beginning of my class, and I want them to move to a circle to start a a new activity or a new game, I might sing, I'll stand up, and they echo, I'll stand up, and I sing, walk and make a circle in five, four, three, two, one, and you're done, bow, wow, wow, or whatever the game or song or whatever is going to be, so that they have that musical instruction, they know exactly what to do, they're engaged, it's time-bound, they feel the urgency, they've moved from place to place, and then they're ready to go. So even though that was a very, very short transition, um, it had all three of those elements in it, which I think for a procedural um, transition is really, really important. So thinking about it being time-bound, thinking about it being musical or active, and giving them enough time, but it's still time-bound and and maybe shorter than you would normally do, moving from space to space. Now, one of the biggest questions I get asked is, okay, well, if you have a transition that is that quick and it feels really, really, really quick, especially if you're not used to doing transitions that way, what do you do with all those students who are still managing to get off task? Well, the thing is, is that if they hear you saying five, four, three, two, one, and you're done. And you just start singing right after that. And you aren't saying, okay, Billy, come on. It's time to be in the circle. All right, Sally, come on. I need you to hurry up. Instead, you're just going bow, wow, wow, or whatever. I probably (laughs) didn't keep the same dough. But regardless, they feel the urgency and they're ready to move into the circle. And if they still haven't gotten there, you can still sing the next song or start to sort of chant or do whatever you're about to do with the next activity and use some teacher proximity, some teacher movement to to help those kids get where they're supposed to be. So there's some other tools that you can use besides wait time or, um, you know, kind of using that verbal nagging, if you will, to get them where they need to go to help get a little bit of peer pressure and a little bit of that musical time bound feeling so that they're off to the races and ready to go. And again, this is something that I set up early on in my classroom when my students um, are learning the first couple of weeks or at the beginning of the semester or the quarter or whatever it might be, how to get from space to space in my music classroom or how to move from sitting to standing to a circle. These are things that we practice, but that doesn't mean that you can't implement them right now, even if you only have a month left of school or whatever it might be. These are things that kids pick up on quickly because all of the instructions are right there in a procedural transition where you're singing the instructions, you're giving them that time-bound directive and they can hear and they can sense 
that there's some urgency there. So that can be a really, really powerful transition. Hello, my name is Mark Connor, and I am the host of the Everything Band Podcast, a weekly interview show where I am joined by leaders in the band community. Come join me each Monday to hear my guests share their stories and their wisdom with other listeners of the show. So the next category of transitions that I want to talk about today are musical transitions. And this is my favorite because it's the most related, likely, to whatever your learning target or your behavioral objective or whatever you want to call it is for any given lesson. So say, for example, that your lesson target for the day is something to do with ticka ticka, to do with 16th notes. So odds are that most of the songs, games, or activities within your lesson is going to have something to do with 16th notes. So it's going to be pretty easy for you to find a connecting thread from one song or one game to the next. So this most often happens by just simply transforming rhythms, by using the same identical motive from one song to the next, using a mystery song, doing echo patterns. And this one's super fun because you can definitely use it as an assessment strategy like I talked about in our last episode. So getting a read for whether or not students are really understanding the rhythm or the melody or whatever it might be that you're working on before going into the next activity. So it's a chance for you to sort of assess and pivot if need be, even right there within the context of the transition. But I want to go ahead and give you an example of what this might look like. So one of my favorite songs for um, Ticka Ticka is Love Somebody. So if you don't know that song, it goes like this. Love somebody, yes I do. Love somebody, yes I do. Love somebody, yes I do. Love somebody, but I won't say who. So ti ti ticka ticka ti ti ta so perhaps when i'm done with th- whatever i'm doing with that song on any given day is do something like this love somebody but i won't say who have my students echo that do 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 do, do, do. then i might say love somebody but i won't say who And then perhaps I would go ta. Then they would echo ta. So I just changed that first beat. Now maybe I'll say ta. Jingle at the window, tiny o. So I've gone ahead and I've transformed the rhythm from love somebody but I won't say who to jingle at the window, tiny o. Or however you say that. I know there's 8 million different variants of all of these, these different folk songs. So by transforming a rhythm one, uh, one beat at a time from one to the next and doing some echo imitation while while doing that, you can move right into your next song, game, or activity, especially if you have that close of, of an aligning thread throughout your lesson. Now, it's important to note, now that we've already talked about two different types of transitions, that first of all, you might be able to find a really clear link with what I just identified between um, Love Somebody and Tidio to do something musically 
Or you may not, even if, I mean, odds are if you have everything that is like a tick a tick a song gamer activity in your lesson, you're gonna find something like that and you can make all of your transitions transforming rhythms and musical transitions in your lesson. But say for example, you have two behavioral objectives in your lesson, a major behavioral objective and a minor behavioral objective. And so there's some things that maybe your students don't know the rhythm tick a tick a yet and you're still just working with text. So maybe you do some echo imitation with text and said, or maybe you do some echo imitation without any text and just clapping, or maybe you do it with body percussion, or maybe some of your transitions are procedural and then some are musical in a different way. Just because you decide to do a musical transition between these two activities doesn't mean you have to do the same type of transition in the next two activities, right? You can mix and match however it fits best for your lesson and you as a teacher and your students as well. Let's go one step further with what um, another musical transition that we could do that could kind of combine what I just did with transforming a rhythm into a mystery song. So if you want to do a mystery song, which means you you likely have um, the rhythm or the melody or both, um, because if you have the melody, you probably have the rhythm um, up on a whiteboard or projected or whatever it might be, and you want to move from one song to the next, but you want the next song to be a mystery song. So something that you could do is you could do the echo imitation like I just shared with you, but transform the rhythm into whatever the first motive is of your mystery song. And then just just sort of motion to your students and maybe you read the first one. And so um, what would be a good example? So say that we are moving to love somebody, yes I do, and it was t t t t t t ta right? So I could echo and say, T T T T T T Ta, then the students would read T T T T T T Ta. And then maybe I'd uncover the next motive and say, say the next one, here you go. T T T T T T Ta, all the way down to the bottom, and then say, whole song ready, here you go. T T T T T T Ta, T T T T T T Ta. T T T T T T ta T T ticka ticka T T ta. Then maybe you would have them just clap it and think the T T's and Ta's and ticka tickas in their brain. And while they clap, you could say Raise your hand if you know that song. Give them a moment to think and then sing. Sing it with me, here we go. Love somebody, and then they would get it, right? So then you have that same type of mystery song, transformation, musical transition, but it allows a little bit more problem solving on your student's part. So that's just a tiny glimpse. That's just two really quick um, sort of introductory examples of what a musical transition could look like in your classroom. And last but not least, let's talk about thematic transitions. Now, to be really, really honest with you, um, I think I've mentioned this in the past, but I don't tend to necessarily have um, a theme for any given unit in my classroom. So I'm not doing like a spring theme. I'm not necessarily doing like a holiday-based class or anything like that because of the way that my scope and sequence functions throughout all of K-5 or however long I might see my students. It's driven by the curricular concepts 
rather than thematic concepts like what I just outlined for you, but perhaps there just so happens to be a good number of songs in your particular class that you want to make it like a farm theme, like a visit to the farm. Or perhaps you're doing something the first week where you're talking about the first day of school or the first week of school, or you're exploring a certain country or culture, or you're talking about visiting to the orchestra or something that lends itself to you telling a story throughout the context of your actual music lesson. So say, for example, you decided that you were going to do something around visiting the farm. So perhaps you would start off by playing this game about pigs, or you would do the the big pig, little pigs for high voice and, and lower voice and all of that good stuff. And then you're like, oh, and now we're going to go and we're going to visit the sheep. Mary had a little lamb, or depending on what your song is, and there's some some thematic content there that you could get into some really rich storytelling. Now, truth be told, I find that this is more effective with younger students, like kindergarten, pre-K, that age, maybe even first or second grade. Um, but for the most part, that's not something that I do a ton in my lessons, but I think it can be really effective and really engaging depending on what your content is. Or if you wanted to do something about, you know, the instruments of the orchestra, and so you set up like a pretend, you know, concert tour or something like that. That could be something really exciting and a pretty transformative experience for your students. And then all the transitions would be embedded in the theme of that lesson. So again, that's something that's probably just every once in a while, just a little sprinkle of something, probably not what's going to happen each and every time in your music classroom, um, but it can be a fun thing to do here or there. So those are the three types of transitions that I I really identify as at least the first place to start with your transitions. You'll probably come up with different ways as you start exploring this, as you start brainstorming and creating transitions that work for your own teaching scenario that go beyond these three. But in large part, I find that most transitions can be umbrellaed under each of these three different categories. So again, we have those procedural transitions, which are those that just kind of keep the lesson flowing or are literally telling students what to do next, but we're doing it in a way that is time-bound and it's musical and it's active. The second way is a musical transition that's generally pretty heavily tied to our learning target. And so it could be something like transforming rhythms, having a mystery song, using um, this motive in this song into the next song if there's an exact thing, an exact match happening, or doing some sort of like composition activity that uses a specific motive from a song. Um, and then last but not least, a thematic transition. So we're doing something that's much more about storytelling that's kind of extra musical, if you will. And it just so happens that there's a common thread throughout all of the content in your lesson that you can tell a really beautiful and engaging story to your students. So I hope that these two episodes really helped helped you think about ways that you can use transitions in a meaningful way in your classroom. I know that when I started to use transitions really purposefully and intentionally and thought about the way that my activities connected to one another, not only did like the flow of my music class get stronger and just more predictable for my kids, but it also just kind of tied everything up neatly. Like it's just, it's really that finishing touch that really ties everything together. So I hope that you take some time and start to practice some of these transitions in your classroom. Let me know if you do. I can't wait to hear what you come up with. 
The Anacrusic Podcast is a proud member of the Music Teacher Development Podcast Network. The Muted Network provides support in the form of audio on-demand programming designed by and for music educators. You can find more information about our network at mutedpodcast.com. Thanks for spending this little pocket of your day with me. I know music teachers are super strapped for time, so be sure to check out all the resources on anacrusic.com for today's episode. Don't forget to click subscribe wherever you're listening to today's podcast so you don't miss an episode of TAP. That way, you'll be notified each and every week when a new episode is live. And if you want even more tips and tricks delivered to your inbox, like a little love note from me to you, make sure you sign up for the Anacrusic newsletter and you'll be the first to know all the things. Also, if you are feeling today's episode, take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram and Facebook. And I'd love you forever if you take a hot minute and leave a review. See you next time.